0: Welcome to the A Ten Star Happy Hour podcast where we talk about all things ticketing, marketing, and logistics. My name is Brennan Robinson, your host, and here with me today is Russell Bradshaw.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Hey, what's going on, Russell?
1: I'm here to talk to you.
0: So Russell is Gary's son. Gary is the owner of A Ten Star, and um, we had Gary on last week. If you haven't watched that episode yet, go check it out. Airshow Stories with Gary Bradshaw. And Russell, what he does a lot here at a 10-star, he does a handful of things, but he provides on-site support for a lot of our events, which is pretty cool. Before we dive in, Russell, um, usually with our episodes, we make a cocktail recipe. Today, I'm going to make an Old Fashioned, which very classic drink. Probably like the oldest cocktail yeah, if ever. I I'm, mean, I I'm a big fan. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, we've got some Elijah Craig small batch left. I'm gonna use that for my base, and I don't really measure. Whenever I make a old fashioned, to be honest with you, it's just kind of you just eyeball it. Yeah, don't have to get too fancy with it. And um, if you're watching on video. These are the best orange bitters to go get at the store. You can find them at liquor stores. I don't know if they're at the grocery stores. I've never found them at a Kroger or Publix or anything. But listen, it's called Angostura. Angostura orange bitters. Not sure why it's called that. Kind of a strange name. But um, these are incredible bitters. And I highly recommend them for your old-fashioned. We're just going to do a splash of it.
1: I can smell those already. <laughs> yeah.
0: It smells really good. And there we go. Um, hope you got a drink with you at home while you're listening. Um, let's dive in, Russell. Okay. Um, so, on-site support at a 10-star. So, we provide on-site support for a lot of events, a lot of outdoor events, some indoor events. Um, it's really important to a lot of clients. It's something that a lot of people want and need, and they ask for it sometimes, and why do you why, why is that? Explain why they ask for on-site support from the ticketing company?
1: Well, I think one of the reasons it's just really effective to have us on site is that I, I go to dozens and dozens of events every year. yeah, so I have a whole different perspective on on what the issues are because when I come back, I get to see all the what the complaints were, what the positives were, and what the negatives were. Um, so a lot of times when I'm at the gate and I go to an event, you know I'm working with an event staff that that's the one event that they do a year yeah um the only thing they do that year and they do it maybe every year every other year um and not that they don't have experience in it but they just don't see it quite as often as we do yeah from a different perspective almost kind of outside so I, i really enjoy helping with issues that you know i saw at an event two weeks before that where something became an issue so when i see the early signs of that at the gate at a new event i can say hey here's a couple ideas. You know, if we do this, it might prevent a problem or it might go more smoothly if we do this or move this table over here. Yeah. It, it's just, it's the experience that comes with it of seeing dozens and dozens of events every year that I think that they really helps the event manager with things like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Experience is a huge piece of this. Um, we do so many events and you go to so many events.
1: Oh yeah, I've, I've seen lots of problems, so.
0: So in a way, do you, when you go to an event, do you kind of anticipate things to go wrong in a way and kind of come up with a game plan in your head for, okay, what if this happens? What am I going to do?
1: Yeah. And as you know, my background's in public safety. I've worked for the fire department, emergency management, sheriff's office for, for years, over, over 10 years. Um, so when I go to events, my, my natural kind of is, is watching the crowd, um, watching what's going on. And and I I do expect problems. Yeah. I see things early on. I know, Hey, if we fix this now, when 10 people are at the gate and there's 10 people in line, if we fix it now when there's 500 in people line later, it's, it's not going to be <laughs> yeah. su- such a disaster. Yeah. Um, you know, and I do disaster stuff too. So I'm used to things not going well. Yeah. Um, and it's, I-, I like to head that off and like to make it go a lot smoother.
0: Yeah. So you do um, a lot outside of a 10-star too. Explain a little bit about, or talk to us about StormPoint. StormPoint's your business.
1: Yeah. So I'm the executive director of StormPoint, which is a nonprofit. Um, We do search and rescue and incident support. Yeah. Um, A lot of people, it's hard to explain what that really means. Um, Because everyone on my team at StormPoint has a background in public safety of some kind. We're all public safety and military. Um, There's eight people on my team. We specialize in going with FEMA to uh, large natural disasters like hurricanes every year, um, tornadoes, floods, mostly stuff that does to do with, with bad weather. And then we specialize in flying a lot of drones. Um, so we do search and rescue a lot of searches, and we support incident teams like either the local fire department or the local EMA. Um, basically, when everything goes bad, we're there to make it better.
0: You chase hurricanes?
1: I do. It's weird. Yeah, I <laughs> tell you, our, our insurance guy hates me, but that's that's what we do. We drive into the into the eye wall on purpose.
0: Somebody has to do it, though. You know. Somebody's got to be there.
1: Yeah, usually we're the only ones there, so I don't know if somebody has to do it, but that's what we do. Right?
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I think it's really cool because you are able to connect really well with EMS at events too.
1: Yeah. And so a lot of my guys on my team, we teach um, to public safety agencies nationwide. So I've been really lucky when I go to air shows in California and Florida and, and New York and other places where usually when you have a large incident like that and you have hundreds and hundreds of public safety personnel, there's probably one of them there that I already know. Yeah, um, We've been able to, to to jump right in with some people or call ahead or send an email before we show up and say, Hey, I'm going to be there. You know, do you need anything yet? You, you know, drone detection stuff you got going on. Yeah. Um, do you need intelligence things, stuff like that. So.
0: And you've got the communication channel too. You got yeah. that, you got that radio on. Oh yeah. You, you know, you know everything that's going on yeah. around
1: us. I, yeah. I do carry a lot of interoperable Radios with me, so that um, if I show up somewhere in an, even in a different state, usually I can communicate with the first responders that are in the area as necessary if they want me to. Um, of course, I ask. Um, we try to coordinate a lot of stuff. There's a lot of people who don't think of like even when it comes to on-site support. When you have the local PD and they're expecting 100,000 people to show up in a weekend, yeah, you know that's a. It could be a traffic nightmare if you're not ready for it. So a lot of times when we get there early. And because I do have contacts in public safety and I understand what their problems are as well, even if it doesn't directly pertain to a 10 star, I want the entire event to go better. Yeah. So I can reach out to to public safety and then a 10 star has tools with the ticketing where we know we sold, you know, 40,000 tickets from this zip code near the event and 10,000 tickets from this zip code near the event. And I can tell law enforcement, hey your majority of your cars or 40% of your traffic is going to come from this direction off the interstate. Yeah. And it's, it's stuff like that. I think that you don't, you don't see other companies really doing.
0: No, not at all. Yeah.
1: I it just, it's, it makes a big difference or it can make a big difference. Um, you know, information is key for stuff like that. So
0: yeah. Safety, you know, attendee experience. I mean, it's tenfold.
1: Yeah. And I, I know from being the one that's always at the gate at all these dozens of events that, that, the, you know their first interaction with your event that day if you have an air show or a fair or something like that and they're bringing the family when they show up at eight o'clock in the morning to go through that gate having that initial experience that initial contact with them when they're coming through the gate goes smoothly um, and having not having traffic issues and they, it sets the tone for the entire day for that group yeah so if they've had a bad time just getting in the parking lot and parking and then trying to figure things out before they get in the gate, they're going to be a little frustrated before they even walk into your event. Yeah. And the attendee experience is huge with us. And that's when, when I'm assigned an event to go to an event, that's what Gary and everyone here else at AttendStar star tells me is like, Hey, you know, take care of your responsibilities, the stuff we promised in the contract. But other than that, like make the day go better for everybody.
0: Yeah. For so many different reasons. Yeah. I mean, your event reputation is huge. Yes. How many people are going to come to your 2024 event and also come to your 2025 event? How many people are going to come back? Exactly. Um, And not only reputation, but obviously revenue. It's huge. A lot of, you know, when you're selling tickets online and you get to retarget those people for the next year or your next show, your next event. Right. And they had a great experience. They want to come back. They remember the event. It helps grow your event.
1: Exactly. And it's it, when the event manager does well, we do well. And I, I, I love that symbiotic relationship we have with our events. And I yeah. like going to events. So if I go to an air show and I know they're going to have the next one two years from now, I like to have that contact and I like to know that event. And I want them to do well because I want to come back in two years. Right. That's that's how I get paid, too. Yeah. I, I love air shows. I mean, it's one of those things like even going to I don't know how many Blue Angel shows I've been to. It's got to be over 100 by now. Easily, it's way up there, way probably. way above yeah. that. Because I've been doing this since 2010. Yeah, um, but I still stop and watch the angel, the angels at every show, the practice shows. So every time I go, I get to watch them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
0: It's always the practice cool.
1: days. The, so four times every time I go to a show. So it's it's got to be. It never or gets old. Yeah, it's yeah. always great. It really so, doesn't. So I want to be there next time.
0: Gary, he uh, mentioned on the last podcast, he said, he said. You know, people get off on weird things, and I just get off on being at the gates and watching those tickets scan. <laughs> he, he does.
1: He, he, it's funny. Like, you know, we're working on a new ticketing app right now, and one of his biggest things is like, what's that noise going to make when, it, when somebody comes through the gate? Because he does. He loves that noise. Yeah. I always catch him sitting on his laptop in the car near the gate, and he's yeah. got the windows rolled down just so he can hear the beep, 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 everybody coming in. Like, yeah. he does. He really does like that. Yeah. Satisfying.
0: Yeah. It's one of those oddly satisfying things.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: That'd be a good... Good Instagram posts. Oddly satisfying from your ticketing company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is the kind of stuff that we love that doesn't make sense to anybody else.
0: Yeah, yeah he he was talking about how many scans he wants every minute. Yeah. You know, and ha- having that down to a T and just talking about that gate efi- efficiency, which is really neat that we go into that much detail, you know, which – Ultimately, all those little details, you know, look
1: at the big picture and it's a
0: successful event.
1: Yeah, there's a thousand little details that make your event a success.
0: Yeah. Part of the reason why it's so much fun. Um, Russell, so answer this question real quick. When -hmm. when do we provide on-site support and just talk about what all we
1: do when we come on-site? Yeah, as far as when, like I said, I'm not part of the sales team. I'm part of the support team. So <laughs> I, I get told where I'm going and when. Right. Um, sometimes, if there's, you know, we got different shows on different weekends, I get to pick which one I'd rather go to. Yeah. Um, I know that we go to all the ones where you know there's a, especially if you have attendance in the you know fifty hundred thousand large events. We're going to go no matter what. Right. Um, there are some events I think that uh, that are that large that are they've been doing it for fifty years. They've had the same staff. Maybe they're comfortable not having us out there. And then there's other events that it's the first time they're doing it. They've got 60,000 people that they think are going to come and they're like, please come. They're just begging us like, hey, can you be there? You know, we're going to need some help. We've never done this before. Um, I love the new ones. The new ones are fun because you're figuring it out for the first time. Yeah. So.
0: And even if the event's not large enough, it's, and it does cost the event. It's something that, you know, it's just covering the expenses. To yeah. really go to your event.
1: Right. They're they're really just paying for my airfare to get there in my hotel. It's not
0: it's not like we're trying to make money off of it by any no, means at all. Not because at all. we really want to go to the event because yeah. it helps so it much. Um and so when you get there, I guess how early do you get there typically?
1: It really depends on the event. Most of the, the larger festivals and things like that, I'll get there two days early. Two days. Um fly in two days early, sometimes three days early. Um, the first day that I'm there, the first thing I want to do that morning is go out to the and see how setup's going, see what the gate looks like, what the plan is, say hi to everybody so everybody knows who I am for the weekend or the couple weeks I'm going to be there. Um, and I start asking questions like, yeah. "Hey, is that is that table going to stay there? You know, do you have lunches for your volunteers on this day?" Right. Just, then you go into the normal things like, "Oh, you know, I went to this event before, or I went to one similar to this, and this is the first issue they had." I, it's immediate. Like I'm asking questions because I want to. I want everything to go smoothly. The sooner you fix it, the, the better it's going to go. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we'll we'll test all of our gear. Um, you know, we've got a private LTE network that we use, private LTE and 5G. First thing I do is take one of those out there, make sure signal's strong, everything's going well, speed's good, right? Um, and then plan. You know, verify. You know, usually we have a pre-event plan where somebody says, "Hey, this is how many ticket scanners I need." Yeah. And then when I show up, I need to know if I need more. And I always bring extra, but I need to know, make sure the plan is good for that and see if I need to adjust anything.
0: And the connectivity piece, we always have a backup plan too. Absolutely. Always have a backup plan. Yeah. And what's cool about it, we can see if it really works before we even go out there,
1: right? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So we, we, with our with our private network stuff that we have with AT&T, um, we have a like usage maps and things where we can do speed tests and things actually remotely.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we can check towers and see how many, you know, where every tower is, we have the coordinates. We can tell how many concurrent users that tower can support. Um, and of course our stuff doesn't quite piggyback off the public network. It's on a private network. Mm-hmm. Um, so our stuff is typically going to work no matter what. Now, even, even yeah. saying that we bring backups, we've got Starlink satellite systems that we show up with. We have backup carriers that we show up with. Yeah. Um, because it just has to work. Like that's, you know, Gary looks at me and says, hey, we're going to go to this event. This just has to work. It's like, okay, well, then it's going to work. I promise you. <laughs> yeah. So
0: make it happen. Exactly. And an air show this year, we're going up to Alaska. I don't know if we're going on site. I don't think we are um, as of now. I've but heard about
1: it. I don't know if I had not on my calendar yet. I'm hoping it shows up.
0: But that's like, I think that's one of the first things we did was we made sure that the internet would work. Yes, there.
1: yeah, I got an email with the with the address where the yeah. show was going to be at, where parking was, where the crowd was. Yeah, it immediately did looked at the maps. Yeah, you know, and luckily that was one that it was it wasn't you know it wasn't out in the wilderness somewhere, which makes sense. But yeah, you know, it was in town somewhere, and they've got I think there were six or seven towers on site. It actually looked really good for that event. So
0: I would love to go to Alaska.
1: I would too. I really hope it shows up on my calendar. <laughs> I've never been to Alaska. I think I've been to every state except Alaska and Hawaii. Really? Yeah, which we've, you know, we've talked to Hawaii too, so I keep hoping it's going to pop up on my calendar. I hope we go to Hawaii.
0: I I'm I'm going to go.
1: Yeah. To Hawaii. Oh, I'll find a reason to be there.
0: Oh my goodness. I'm
1: going to be calling people. You're going to need some on-site support. I'll be there. I've already got my ticket.
0: Yeah. Never been to Hawaii, but it's just you grow up hearing about Hawaii. It's the place to go. Oh yeah. It's like surfing. Yeah. Have you ever a, surfed?
1: No. I haven't either. No. I want to surf. Yeah, I, g- I grew up in San Diego, so you'd think I had meant surfing. But oh, wow. spent a lot of time at the beach. I didn't but... know you grew up in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, that's where. Pretty... I feel like I'd be terrible at surfing. I do too, which is probably why I've never tried. Have you tried skateboarding? Yes.
0: I'm not good at that.
1: No, I'm not good at that either. I wonder if
0: there's like a direct correlation to.
1: I don't know how good you are at surfing. I'm pretty decent at snowboarding or though. snowboarding.
0: Oh yeah, there I can snowboard.
1: Go. That's fine. I used to do that when I was in high school.
0: Isn't there like a three day rule with snowboarding? it, I went to Snowshoe, West Virginia, one year, <clears throat> and it took me three days to figure out how to snowboard.
1: Yeah, I tell you, the first day was awful. I, and, I just, and yeah, yeah, I look like I shouldn't be there. You don't sure. want to be there. No, it's
0: like you're miserable.
1: I was sore, and of course, the little, the little, the. The kitty slopes that they let you <laughs> practice on are so compacted that the snow hurts when you fall down. So I was so sore after the first day. Yeah. Um. But yeah. The first I was like second or third day, so maybe just three days. But you know, when I got to use the lift and go up higher up the mountain where it wasn't so compacted, it was actually really nice when you fell down. I was like, oh, okay, this is yeah. not so bad.
0: Yeah. When it clicks, it clicks. Yeah. It's really fun.
1: That's about how it happened. I, it never clicked for me with uh with skateboarding. <laughs> no, that was that was just a bad time all around.
0: There's a new skate park that they're about to start building in Murfreesboro. I saw that. A little south of here at the Smyrna Airport. Yeah. Should be pretty cool. Um, so going back to your role at a 10-star, I think it's really important that someone in your role, anybody providing on-site support, they they have to be a problem solver. Yes, have to be a problem solver
1: yeah and that's i and i joke with people sometimes i even have a shirt that says professional problem solver (laughs) do you really i do yeah do you wear it to events i've not worn it to an event i'm always (laughs) always wearing my 10 star stuff oh that's true i should get an a 10 star one that says that that's
0: a good idea making a 10 star shirt that says that on the back
1: yeah i like that that's what i always tell people
0: maybe we'll wear those to iafi and icast there you go this year
1: yeah that's what i feel like when i show up on site yeah because you know I'm looking at, at 500 different things, and it only takes two or three of them to really cause chaos. So
0: there are a handful of stories I'm sure where you can think of, you know, days where you save the day. In a way, I mean, well, not in a way. You like yeah. you did save the day. Um, one that we've touched on, I think last episode with Gary actually, we talked about what happened in Grand Junction a little bit. Yeah, but we didn't really go into detail at all about it. We just kind of briefly mentioned it. So
1: there, they, they had a couple of challenges at that show. Um, I loved that show. I want to go back to that one too. I mean, it it was great. The backdrop with the Colorado mountains in the background, which is the pictures I sent you. Look beautiful. Yeah. The pictures were amazing. So scenic. And
0: it's the blue angels. Yeah. Right there next to the mountains.
1: Yeah. And that's a show where they've, and we talked to them when we were at ICAST, um, before their show, years before their show, um, every, provider they'd ever had for internet and ticketing had lost connectivity on the days of their show. Every time, yeah. like as far back as they could remember. I mean, 10 years, I think, I don't remember the exact timeline, um, but mm. they just, they counted on connectivity problems. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, the more connected everybody gets with your, your food vendors and everyone else that comes to the show is more and more reliant on credit card sales than cash and things like that. So like every year it becomes more and more of a problem right. and it was a huge deal for them. And they, and they, they asked me at ICAST, you know, about connectivity, and we talked about our private stuff, and I was like, "It will work." And then if it doesn't, I still bring backups, like, just like Gary always tells me, it has to work. So yeah. I, I went in with that mindset. I mean, we brought Starlinks with us. I think we brought three Starlinks, separate Starlink systems. Um, the systems we bring are they're not uh, standard Starlinks; they're boosted a little bit, so they've they've all got a, a two and three thousand foot range on the Wi Fi. Mm. Um, you know, hundreds of megabits down for the speed. So you know, I brought all that with the anticipation of, you know, I'm probably going to have to use this. Yeah. Um, and it, it got to a point where our stuff still worked. Um, our, our private network stuff with our ticket scanners never stopped working,
0: mm-hmm. which was
1: great. They got a little slow, which was kind of what I expected because the town is not meant for as many people that show up to that air show. Right. And it's on the outskirts of town up in the mountains. There's, there's only two towers that serve that airport. Um, so I, you know, I thought this could be a problem. And then it turned out it wasn't really a problem for us, but, but, you know, they had um, food trucks and private food vendors for their air show yeah, all over the airport. And then they had ATM machines. So basically on Saturday when the show opened up and we had, you know, once we got over 20 or 30,000 people as expected and as they told me, you know, the public cell networks just stopped working. Um, which when your food vendors are taking credit cards, that's one thing. And then, you know, their, their square machine stops working. Well, now they can't do that. So now they're like, oh, well, now we'll take cash. Well, I don't know how many people are like me. I don't really carry cash anymore. No. Not, I'm not really opposed to it. It's just a convenience thing. Yeah. So, I mean, even at that show, I didn't have cash and then, you know, the, the air show staff are, are running around trying to figure out what to do because yeah. the ATM machines are on the same public cell network so that, you know, your, your food vendors can't take credit cards. Yeah. Now your ATM machines don't work anymore because they can't check with the bank and give you cash. Like they're there, but they're they're powered and ready to go, but they they don't have communication with the banks anymore, and so you had lines of people at the ATM machine that didn't know what to do. They got kids with them and stuff. They can't buy food, and so I just told the air show staff, I was like, "Is this a problem that you want me to fix?" And uh, I think they were a little surprised. They were like, "Well, you know, how are you going to do that?" Well, I found the ATM guy that was running around like crazy trying to figure out what to do because he's losing money. He doesn't get all his ATM fees and everything. Yeah. And I told him, I said, does this need to work? And he's like, I need this to work. And I was, you know, we'd already set up all the Starlinks and anticipation. We even had one up on the control tower. Up on the roof of the control tower, we put a Starlink up there. Um, between that and then the other one we set up at another gate, just with two of them, we covered the entire airshow area, the public area of the airshow. Do you have to climb up there? So they had stairs to get up there. Oh, there were yeah, stairs. Yeah, we did. So we had to go out. We had to get the airport maintenance guy to let us out on the roof and set up the starlink, <laughs> run some extension cords out there. But it's kind of picturing you climbing up a ladder with the starlink. Wasn't quite that. <laughs> yeah, luckily I didn't have to do that. Um, yeah, we got those set up. Um, we did that Saturday morning at you know six seven o'clock in the morning. It was one of the first things we did because we we're like, this is just going to be on all day. Yeah, and when we need it, we can just connect to it. And yeah. it, we were ready to go. And you know, as soon as the ATM guy was like, hey, I don't have internet, I need this. And then the food vendors didn't have internet. And then from the moment I asked if they wanted us to solve the problem until all the ATM and food lines were working was less than 20 minutes. Boom. Yeah. Because, I mean, there, it wasn't just me there. I had help. Um, my partner, John, was there. And that's all we did. We went to all the food vendors. We grabbed the little square machine. Hey, can I change the setting on this for you? Yeah. Connected it to the Starlink Wi-Fi. Connected the ATM to the Starlink Wi-Fi. All the lines were gone in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody was happy. And it's, oh, and that, yeah. that's not even something that, you know, a 10 star wouldn't have lost money on that.
0: Yeah. No, but it,
1: but it was the right thing to do for the show for
0: sure. Absolutely. And it's the first time they had that kind of connectivity and what yeah. you said, 10 years.
1: Yeah. They'd always had issues. And that, once, I mean, that was 11 a.m. on Saturday, the rest, the whole rest of the weekend went great. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. The great thing is on Sunday, all the food vendors still had our password and everything saved on all their devices. So it, we never even heard about it on Sunday.
0: It's amazing too what you can do with you know so someone like John with you at a, uh, even a fair that has so many gates. Yeah, and covering all that ground. You usually, I guess get a golf cart, don't you? If
1: we can, sometimes if you can. yeah. Sometimes even the fairs, like the ones we've been to, like a big butler. Um, even if you get a golf cart, it doesn't mean you can drive through the crowd. It gets so busy at one point you are walking yeah. anyway. But I mean, it's helpful. A lot yeah. of the air shows you get gates that can be miles apart depending on how the airport's laid out. So you'll have to have a a golf cart or something. So yeah, yeah, usually we're speeding around and checking on different gates and, you know, we pre-plan it to a level that we don't expect an emergency or to have to be at the gate, Yeah, but we're still around. Um, you know, John and I and other attend star staff, um, we, we try not to get stuck scanning tickets ourselves, but to just be available the entire time. Right. Um, we're usually standing 20, 30 feet back behind the gate and just watching the big picture yeah and then it, sometimes that comes down to you know before the gates open or after the gates open like we've, we've had a lot of them where you know in the as soon as they start getting back up around 10 or 11 and it gets really busy at some of the events um you know because they have different times that they get really busy and they, they get right just huge influx of people all at the same time for whatever traffic reasons or whatever it is um they have to change their game plan on the fly yeah um and some of them will try to move lines around or open new lanes or And so I'm there for that. You know, I've got extra devices in my pocket the whole time, and they say, Hey, I want to scan faster. I just brought four more volunteers over here. I know we've got four gates. We're going to do six. Mm -hmm. No problem. Pull them out of my pocket, turn them on, show them how to use them real quick. Five minutes, we're up and going. Yeah. So,
0: and the hardware, the scanners, a lot of times you will do, you know, hardware training for volunteers.
1: Yes. And. It's amazing how easy they are to use. Right. I, I feel guilty even calling it training. I mean, it's, it's yeah. They're smartphones and everything on them is just set up and ready to go. And it's,
0: I feel like if you just gave it to someone and said, hey, figure this out.
1: I think 90% of people would figure <laughs> you'll it out. Be able to yeah. figure it out it's, yeah. it's just an app and it, it's just got a button on it that says validate ticket. You push it and it scans a barcode and then it, it makes a really happy beepy noise when it works and a really unhappy noise if it doesn't. How, and the batteries on a full charge, how long? Do you think the scanners? So our de- uh, we know, we've got two different versions of devices. Now we just upgraded a bunch of our hardware this year. Right. Um, so the original stuff, we still, we still have some of those um, continuous scanning. If you had a line probably five to seven hours, um, our new devices actually have uh, almost triple the battery life. It's wild. So I think if we did continuous scanning with the new ones, yeah, um, which they've worked at a couple of events so far, but not anything larger, we started with some smaller ones just to make sure they work correctly. But I mean, I, I Easily twelve hours. Yeah, of just continuous scanning. I mean, your volunteer is going to drop before the before the battery runs out. So, yeah. if you have an event where you're scanning
0: tickets for twelve hours, <laughs> we're ready for it now. We're ready. Yeah, we can do it. That's a lot of scanning. Um, I remember at the first event I went to with the Ten Star, you were there. Hmm. Um, spirit Louis? of Saint Louis. Yeah, yeah. In Chesterfield, Missouri, mm-hmm. and. We did a quick tutorial with our hardware, with probably fifteen volunteers, maybe more. Yeah. Um, and they all got it. They started scanning. We were good to go. Yeah, and I always and, tell them
1: that once you scan two or three tickets, you, you're not going to need me anymore. You're gonna be like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's.
0: Yeah, you scan a ticket, it's valid. You see a green screen. It's not valid. You see a red screen. Yeah,
1: and it's just. Right, real quick. You, you spend more time telling them, you know, who to talk to if they have a problem, more than you do showing them how to do something. Right. Like if, if it is a red ticket, you know, usually they have a the show staff has a gate manager or something. Somebody they ask that question to, like, hey, this person needs help. Yeah. You spend more time pointing out who that is than you do showing them how to scan a ticket.
0: Yeah, and you know, air shows or fairs, you'll have a policy where you know, hey, once you leave, can't come back. Or, hey, you can leave. You can go back to the parking lot and come back in. You just have to go through security, whatever it is. Right. And, you know, in a 10-star, we can set up how many times that ticket can scan. Yes. You can set them to be multi-scan. You mm-hmm. know, if you sell a ticket for that's valid for Saturday and Sunday or for a week or a whole weekend, whatever it is, you yeah. know, we can set it up to where that is that barcode will scan for all of those days. Um, Yeah. And
1: we can set it, you know, scan once on Saturday, once on Sunday, make it once a day or once every certain amount of time. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, Russell, um, it's been really cool having you on. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining. Mm -hmm. And I hope you guys enjoyed. If you want to talk to Russell in person, he comes to IAFI and ICAST and talk about your problems and how, maybe we can solve them. So thanks for joining the 10 star happy hour podcast. My name is Brennan Robinson with me is Russell Bradshaw and we'll see you next time.